0: Someone else like that is not common. Um, many sons will not kiss their father in that in even in that condition. But it kind of reinforced some things that I saw in the Word about friends. I think it's I say it's the most valuable, valuable thing that you can have is a friend. and. I haven't even studied all the scriptures on it. I've been in Proverbs, and Proverbs said enough. And I'd like to really just read some things tonight and comment on what God's Word says about friends. Uh, we're going to be praying for uh, not only about Merle le- later on, but some others that are in the hospital. And um, But uh, I want to share this. You know... In the Word, uh, one man was called a friend of God. He was called a friend of God in two different places. Abraham was called a friend of God. Uh, David was called a man after God's own heart. Wouldn't you like to have some titles like that, a friend of God? or a man after God's own heart. And God himself said of Moses that he was the meekest man on earth. Now, God said that about him. Moses didn't say it, nor man did not say that. It was not man's um, prejudiced judgment that called him that. God called him that. God called Abraham his friend. God said that David was a man after his own heart. A relationship that I know that each one of us desire to have with the Lord. He said of his own son, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He was saying of Jesus himself, he's well pleased of his son. These other three were not sons, they were friends. They were not relationship in the, in the sense as Jesus was, but they were friends. They had a relationship, but it was not the same relationship. They said of them some special things. Um, great value, great value of friends. When you get in trouble and you have friends, what a treasure. When you're in sorrow and have friends, what a tre- treasure. Regardless of what happens to you, regardless of what you do, and you have a friend, it's a great treasure. There's a scripture over in Romans chapter 3. I want to read a couple of scriptures to you. God sent Jesus into this world because he loved us. God sent Jesus into this world this world, uh, not because we deserved it or earned it, but because he loved us. And the scripture very clearly says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one, which is saying this there's none righteous no not one not a few are it says there' are none righteous then he went on to say in verse 23 I don't want to read all of these uh, scriptures I, I ought to read the whole thing down to 23 verse 23 says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God this is these two scriptures are, are a couple of scriptures that I I've used many times in witnessing to people to show them uh, the fact that we're all sinners, that includes me and them, until a person knows that he's a sinner, knows that he's lost, knows that he's undone, knows that he's he's no good, he doesn't need a Savior. When you think you're okay, you don't need a Savior. When you think everything's all right, you don't need help. It's when you see yourself as undone, a sinner, not seeking after God, worthless, you need a Savior. But Jesus came because he loved us as sinners and not as righteous. In other words, his love was not in a fickle manner that if you be good, I love you. If you be bad, I don't love you. His love is unconditional. We can't even comprehend that. So much of our love is conditional. If you be good, I love you. If you be bad, I don't love you. Ours is conditional. His is unconditional. And yet God said in his word in a number of places for us to be like him. That we are made into his image. We are formed or predestined to be conformed in the image of Jesus, to be like Him. And to be like Him is not to be shaped like Him, but to be like Him on the inside like He was on the inside. And so He's trying to form in us the same attitude, the same love, the same compassion, the same forgiveness, the same relationship with one another as He knows. The same one that He lives. The same one that... He expresses the same one that he and the Father had together. Now, in saying that, let me just, let me read a few verses. I I, I looked up some scripture, I mean some definitions uh, in in the Old Testament. Um, One means to have affection, but most of them, that's just very few of them that, that uses that particular Hebrew word. Most of them, is to have, it it's comes, from, comes from the word shepherd. To be tender to, to shepherd, to, um, to feed, to build up, to pastor, to um, lead. In other words, it, it is a, a relationship like a shepherd would have to a sheep. That's the kind of relationship it was. And the Bible says that a good shepherd does what? Gives his life for his sheep. And this is a kind of relationship that friends have, that they give their life one to another. So let's go through the Word. And I want us to look up, let's go to Proverbs because that's where all of them are. Okay, let's just go through Proverbs. so interesting when I got into this it's quite an eye-opener you know the the, the word of God is an eye-opener by itself you don't have to expound on it you just need to read it and let God's Spirit say what it says just to read it and to see what God says then you know that's not what man says but what God says chapter 17 Very interesting verse. Very interesting verse. Verse 17. Chapter 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Isn't that amazing? Can a brother be a friend? Yes. Can a brother be a brother without a friend? Yes. It says, a brother loves at all times. Excuse me, a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. Isn't that an interesting verse? Uh, I was going to read the next one, but it's, let's not go into that one. Okay. Chapter 18, verse 24. A man who has friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, I pondered this. There's a couple of verses that I, I just had to kind of ponder a little bit and try to find out what it's saying. What does it mean? Verse 24, chapter 18, verse 20. A man who has friends must show himself friendly. What does that mean? Huh? Got to be friendly to get friends? If you look unfriendly and act unfriendly, do you get friends? I've had a lot of people say... at all churches I've ever been in, I've heard people come in and say, that's sure an unfriendly bit bunch. I've been there for six months and, and nobody's a friend to me. And I say, well, have you been a friend to them? You know what they do? Here they, want, here, here they come in and sit like this. You come to me. You warm yourself up to me. You invite me. You come get me? Yeah. You ever seen him like that? You've never been that way, have you? But you, you see what it's saying? You must what? Show yourself friendly and you'll have what? Have friends. There's something about being friendly. If you're quiet, it's slow for me to have friends. You know why? Just because I'm quiet. And it's slow for me to get friends. And when, when I get them, I, they, you know, I have them for a long time. If I ever get a friend, they're, they're, they're long, long, long time friends. But it's slow because they walk around me because I'm so quiet. And being quiet is not being very friendly. Being an old grouch won't get you friends either. You know why? People will back away from you. They don't want to get around you. I mean, they don't want to get around that countenance. Right? But friendly people gravitate friends. There are some people that have people around them all the time. Why? Because they're showing themselves friendly. And people want to be around them. And they don't want for friends. And I'm not saying walk it up and tag it on people and say, well, you be my friend. I'm saying, be a friend. Here's what I ask some people sometimes when they come to me. Nobody ever invites me over their house. And I say, when's the last time you invited them over your house? Right. Now we ought not to be doing it just to get back, but if we're interested in that, then we need to step out and do that. Right? That's that's how simple it is. Show yourself friendly. Okay. Uh, chapter. Um. I wish I'd run this thing off on this this morning, but I've been gone all day and got home at 6 30, so I didn't have time to do what I wanted had planned to do. Verse uh, chapter twenty-two. Verse eleven He that loves pureness of heart. For the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. If you want to speak bad out of your mouth, nobody wants to be around you. When it's gracious and loving out of your mouth, it says even the king will be your friend. Look in chapter 27 and verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Well, what a verse. You know, and you, and you, you do the same thing. You can do the same thing. When someone's my friend, and that kind of relationship has been built, that we're friends. We're not acquaintances. We're not long-time acquaintances. We don't run around together. It's not that that makes friends. I'm talking about what it really means to be a friend. A friend can speak correction to me, and you receive it. You know why you receive it, and you won't receive it just from anybody? You know why you receive it from them? Because they're friends. You know, their whole purpose It's for your best and not for your harm. It's never to point out a wrong, to point out a wrong. It's for your best. And their interest is in you and their desire is in you and to help you and encourage you. And it's not to point, but it is to correct. And the only one that can really correct and the wounds are not hurting, although they hurt, but they're not hurting, is a friend. Understand that? Haven't you received correction from one and you won't receive it from somebody else? I'm, I'm going to say this, but don't, don't take it this literal, okay? Okay? I'll say it in a way that you'll understand. I'll just play, say it play in plain English. Shirley gets on to me often. understand but she can and she has one purpose and that is for me and for my benefit and for my edification and my building and never to tear down and because it's for that and because we're friends you can receive it some people can correct you and you know It's just to correct you. Aha. Cut you. Right? Okay. Maybe you don't want friends. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Have literally, literally... Had people kiss me on the cheek, who have slandered me that week, and continue the next week, and kiss me on the cheek, and say how much they love me. And I already I know, and the kiss is to try to deceive me, and to make me think everything's okay, and you know about previous and past, and the kisses on the lips. You've had them, haven't you? With shake of a hand, or a hug, or a kiss on the cheek. Um, chapter fourteen. Lord, show me something about this that. There's a couple of them similar to this, and I don't know whether we'll read them all, but a couple of them are similar to this. Uh, chapter 14, and verse 20 says this, The poor is hated even by his own neighbor, but the rich have many friends. Does the rich have many friends? Now, in the definition of, of what a real friend is do the rich have many friends? <coughs> you know what they have? What well, we call today fair-weather friends. Now, I want to show you... Well, let, let, there's another... Let me find that other scripture. Um... Chapter 19, verse 4. Wealth makes many friends, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. It's saying the same thing. Now let me show you about the rich and the poor and about friends. Let's erase money. Let's erase the thought of money. Okay? Let's erase that and talk about wealth and poor. Okay? If you, if I can get something out of you, you you're rich and I want to be your friend because I can use you, manipulate you, get from you what I want from you, but when you don't have it to give it to me anymore now you're poor in my eyes you don't have anything to offer me and now we're not friends you understand I mean erasing the thought of money wealth is what I what you can get whether it be money or goods or whatever and if you've got something that I can get from you That's wealth. And in in my eyes, now, you are rich because you can offer me a lot. And I'm your friend because I'm going to get all I can out of you. You understand? But when you don't have anything to offer me, you're poor. I'll go find somebody that's rich. That's why I'm saying the rich really do not have friends. They have, let me give you another word, they have leeches. They have people that, that want to get all they can from you. I used to run around with these kids, and, and I was the only one that had a job. I worked... Uh, every afternoon after school all day Saturday and uh, for this veterinarian and I got $8 a week. Boy, you ought to hire like that, John. $8 a week and I I worked hard four hours every afternoon and all day Saturday at $8. That's a lot of money back in the around 1948, 49, 50. It was still a lot of money for me. And I'd get paid every Saturday night. I'd get in cash, $8. And you talk about friends. Boy, I I mean, on Sunday at church, when we got out of church Sunday night and went down to the the, the drugstore, I had a lot of friends. Monday morning, I didn't have any money. You know what else I didn't have? (laughs) You see? You see what I'm saying? Now, besides money, there's other things that we get from you. So, boy, you're my friend. I mean, we're going to hang around together. We're going to do things together until you can't offer me anything. When you can't offer me anything, when it's based upon that, what I can get from you it fulfills these scriptures that the poor don't have any friends and the rich have a lot of friends. But they're not really friends. And the poor ought to be blessed. Says, thank God I don't have those as friends. That type of friend. Okay? I'm just barely skimming it. There's a lot to be said about friends. Um chapter sixteen And verse twenty eight It says A A perverse man sows strife and a whisperer separates chief friends. In other words, when I could gather there's one thing that can take really true friends and separate them, and that's whispering. Chapter. Um, where's the other one? There's another one that said the same thing, and I can't see it. Oh. 17, chapter 17, verse 9. He that covers a transgression seeks love, but he that repeats a matter separates friends. Now you see what we're... See what... One of the things that divides a friend? There's a lot of things you can do, but one thing... One thing that will divide them is a whisper. And a whisper, especially... You know, let me, let me, let me tell you where this works some. Oh, not to work there, but it works some. And I'm going to really simplify it, but let me just show you a way. If a child can put a wedge between mom and daddy if they can do that that's what they try to do what mama said or daddy said whether mama really said it or daddy said it or the way they said it you know can I go somewhere else? go ask your mama Goes ask mama and says, daddy don't care is it okay with you? That isn't what what he said, is it? But now they're saying things that are just a little bit off in order to to bring some division there. Because if they can get them working against each other, they're going to try to get what they want. And it's, it's a... Have said something. You know, the devil said to Eve, he didn't say God did not tell you the truth. He says, has God said? And she said, Well, I hadn't thought about that. And he said this. Well, he really means this. Really? Hadn't thought about that. And you know what he began to do with Eve? Bring doubt in Eve's mind about what God said. Just enough doubt. Just enough doubt. Just enough. It it does not have to be blatant. It has to be just enough to bring a little doubt. and a little doubt began to sever began to sever Eve's relationship between God to where she then disobeyed God and their friendship their relationship was severed and all the devil said is "Has God said what he really is keeping from you is this what he really means is this he just doesn't want you to have this he begins to do a little words and she does a little thinking and says you know you may be right question he separated God from Eve just by question. Like that old proverbial thing? Have you quit beating your wife? How do you answer that? You say yes, well I'm glad, you should. That sounds like you have and you quit. I said well I didn't mean that. No. Oh you haven't quit? You need to stop. Right? In other words, it's it's something half said, and that half said brings question and doubt and know how to answer it and You see? It's little things. If your friendship is based upon an event or a cause. It's not a friendship. When the cause is gone, the friendship's gone. If it's based upon a cause, when the cause is gone, the friendship's gone. I saw that the strongest... Now, I've already shared this with you once once before. The strongest I ever saw this was when I was in Korea with all these men. We all had a common cause. We had an enemy. We had a common cause. We were close. I've never been so close to men in all my life. I mean, so close friends. I remember when my, my best friend got killed, it just it not killed really kill me. I mean, I've never s- felt anything like that when my <laughs> best friend got shot and got killed, how, how it felt. I mean, he was my best friend, and I hadn't, I hadn't known him in a few months. He was a uh, someone from, from uh, Minnesota, and I was from Texas, and we got put together in a common cause, and we began to be friends like this, like those kind that, boy, when we get home, we're going to be wonderful friends. You know what would have happened when we came home? You know what happened? You go your way, I go my way. We never see each other again, never ride each other again. Why? The cause is gone. And if a friendship's built on a cause, when the cause is gone, there's no friendship. I've known of marriages that were built on raising the kids. They already start, start not liking each other, and they have this idea: when we get the kids raised, as soon as they get out of school, and the cause is gone, when all of them have got out of school, they're all graduated, they're all married, they part their way. You ever known people like that? Why? It was based on a cause. It wasn't based on true friendship. True relationship was based on a cause. You understand? Folks, listen. You can't have anything better than a friend. A friend will die for you. A friend will love you. They'll pray for you. They'll encourage you. When when you fall, they will pick you up. They won't cast you aside. They won't coddle you and pet you either. When you're wrong, they'll tell you, but still love you. It's different. We have a lot of people we call friends that are not friends. They're good acquaintances. And real good acquaintances. And we do a lot of things together they are good acquaintances. But we have few friends. As Shirley denied, I said, you know, I said, what is a friend? You know, we're friends. He said, she said, well, friend won't tell you secrets. You can tell your secrets to a friend, they won't tell anybody. So therefore, when you know that, you know what you can do? You can empty yourself. You can express every fear, every doubt, every worry, every anger, every thought, every ambition. You can empty it out and know there's not going to be bottled up packaged up and carried off and spread all over Boy, that's important to me isn't it to you that kind of relationship a friend always has your best interest at heart you can even take the book of I mean First Corinthians 13 where it lists love and you find a friend that's what it's about. 1 Corinthians 13, the love. It says of Jesus that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. There's an old song. What a friend we have in Jesus. Remember that song? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our what? Sins and griefs to bear. And God wants us to be friends. One thing about friends, you'll find that you won't be friends with everybody. And I don't think God ever intended that. You'll be good acquaintances and friends to a degree. But what I'm talking about, those friends, the close relationship, it'll be a few. If it's many, you're doubly blessed. It's if, if it's everybody, that's amazing. But it won't be. It'll be a few. Usually a few. I have some people that we know, known over the years, many people I've known over the years that have different kinds. Some, I meet them, haven't seen them in five years, six years. Meet them, we almost have to strike up relationships again. There's some I don't see for two years. I walk in their life, and it's as, as if it was yesterday. Those are the rare ones. Shirley has a lady living in us that that we met when Paul was about one year old, one years old. And uh, that if she walked in here today. It'd be like. You know, it's been a year since we've seen them, almost a year. And it would be like yesterday. Folks, friends are important. Very important. And God wants us to be friends. But we need to show ourselves friendly. Amen. I said that we was gonna pray for Merle I I, I didn't realize this yesterday when he was made it was such a hard decision to go through this surgery. I don't know whether you know about it very much, but you know, bypass surgery it, just the thought of all that they'll do to your body, it's hard to imagine. You know, cutting you here and then taking something and dividing your all of your ribs. I mean, just open you completely up and just think about it, it's hard for somebody to say, Oh, sure. Go ahead. But I thought it was a triple bypass, but it's a quadruple bypass, four. And I know that one is, four may not be any worse than one, I don't know, because you still have to go to the same place, I mean to the same degree, except that that means there was four problems and not one. There's going to be four new arteries in, in, instead of one. And um, it was a hard decision that they had to go through. And they went through it as a family, and, um, but they did it in this way that, I don't think he'll mind me sharing this, but, you know, f- four months ago when he had his other, he wasn't going to have it, and his children screamed at him and cried and threw a fit and begged him and, I mean, really made a scene and, and all, and, and had to come back and apologize because they wanted, they wanted their daddy. And, but he, he submitted to it. This time, and uh, I didn't know what mind they had made up, but I prayed with him before he came out of that test that he had done out of intensive care. I prayed with him and, and told him that whatever God does, whatever decision he makes, they need to submit to it. And so the doctor came in and said that he needed ought to have bypass, but they could do the other. But the other would be on a temporary someday later down the road he'd still have to do it, but he would do whatever he wanted to. He said, Well I'm not gonna do this other. I'll take the blown thing again. And and as he said it he looked at every one of his children, his wife and you know, trying to read their faces. They were trying hard. I could read all over their faces, I don't know whether he could or not. Whatever you say, Daddy. But I could see on their faces that they wanted him to do the other but they were honoring him and letting him do what what he wanted to do and another doctor came in there and told him a, really how bad it really was and he chose to do the other and they were relieved it's a hard thing uh, I heard the phone ring probably we got a phone call about it if somebody Probably the nursery answered it. Did somebody in the nursery answer it? Probably. If somebody go ask, we might have find out. But uh, but pray, you know. I mean, it's it's a it's a serious thing, serious decision he made, and a serious thing he's going through. And we need to need to pray. We've prayed and prayed and prayed. They prayed. We prayed. We all prayed a number of times. Prayed. I know you've been praying. But um, um, God has to intervene in this. I mean, in anything. I don't care what it is in your life. God has got to do it. We've got to submit to God in it. We need to pray for him, Merle. Um Paula's dad, I haven't heard today. I didn't talk to her today. But, I mean, her mother, Paula's mother, you know, still in intensive care, and they still don't expect... Much and as far as I mean, the doctors said that she's really basically brain dead. And uh, uh, Paula has been asking us to pray that that uh, the Lord would either heal her so that if she comes out of this, she'd be well in her in her mind or take her. It was not that. <laughs> okay. And uh, so. I pray that God...